Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best of new inventory. Great selection of pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And when it comes to service, inspections, routine diagnostics, they do it all. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Well, Baylor last night in overtime able to win. James Akinjo, formerly of Georgetown, gets it done for the Bears. Tied at 62. Akinjo. Oh, big oh, shot. Yeah. That looks like Damian Lillard right there. Back to Akinjo. Akinjo with Walker on it. Akinjo, pull up. Got it. Man, how about that? Huge shot. All right, that was last night. Big win for Baylor. And I'll tell you, Scott Drew does a nice job of coaching that team. And he really does give one the impression that he really does, for the most part, stay positive on that sideline. Almost all the time. I mean, you'll you know, you'll see him over there. Something will go wrong. He's all right. Next play. I mean, yeah, he has a great temperament for it. Now it's odd for me to say that because obviously the only Scott Drew game I ever announced was the NIT championship game in two thousand nine, and he got a technical foul in the game. I would like to point out he did not deserve the technical. All right, I've been, Dick and I said it that night. We we're in the garden. They said, "What the heck? It's just it's, he's okay. He's fine." Right, and they, they were wrong to have done it. But you know, Penn State was the beneficiary of it. But Scott Drew, defending national champion Baylor, he's done a terrific job of that program. All right, now let's get to some Steeler news. Uh, we talk about the Eagles, but they aren't making any news. It's you know. The team just kind of like sits there. It's okay. No news is good news for me. In most cases. Yeah, but you're not very good. Still made the playoffs. Yeah, but they expanded it to 28 teams. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's that. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, uh, so let's get Neil Kulong in. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us as always. Definitely. You guys as well. I, I hope that your day is going as well as mine is. Good. I, I hope that means it's going great. Uh, so let's get to the hiring of Brian Flores uh, on the staff. Uh, you know, what was your thought when you saw that uh, he was going to be uh, on the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Steelers? My the first word in my head, and I remembered this intentionally just for the the, the need to describe it later, was excellent. Yep. Uh, Brian Flores is a, a, a well respected, well regarded, and successful uh, defensive coach in the NFL. Um, there are obviously issues that come with that, and you understand that there are a lot of uh, talking points. 
that the media will you know have to go over time and time again but at its root as far as the team is concerned they promoted their senior defensive assistant into the defensive coordinator role and they replaced him by a guy that that has an even better track record as far as defensive coaching goes you you know brian flores we can get into to whether or not he got head coaching jobs that he interviewed for but he absolutely nobody would dispute that he earned head coaching interviews uh there was a reason for that he's an excellent coach his players swear by him he's had a ton of success um he he was mentored essentially by a, a hall of fame coach all of these things are how on the outside you would uh, generally define a successful coach in the NFL. Uh, for the fact that he did all of that by age 40, uh, it, it shows he's he's a riser and he's got more growth to do. And I think you know being able to uh, collaborate with Mike Tomlin, with Terrell Austin, uh, yeah. other you know other defensive coaches that they have, everybody is going to improve because of that. And frankly. Uh, if we want to be really specific about it, if, if the lawsuit issue was not a part of it, what we would be saying most of all is the Steelers have probably never needed uh, a, a strong linebackers coach right now, the way that they do right now in, in the history of their franchise. Their inside linebackers were terrible last season. There's really no other way to describe that. Their outside linebackers have played really well, but as a defense, they were so bad up the middle um, it, 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 they were historically poor as far as the, the Steelers go. I mean, you look at the Chargers game, the Vikings game, the Chiefs game. It, they they were moved constantly. Um, they need a change in personnel, and they needed a change of message. And I think uh, Keith Butler retired. I don't think that they, they fired him or anything. I, I think he legitimately just was, was done, um, wanted to end his career at that point. But um, the, the, the addition of Brian Flores, I think, brings a different message. Um, it doesn't you know, signify a significant strategic change. It's just more, this is a guy who knows how to coach, he knows how to evaluate, he knows how to communicate. Those are the key points to a, a, a leadership position within the NFL. You need to be able to do those things um, in some combination, at least. And he has a track record that shows he's really good at it. So I, the Steelers got a lot better with that move. And I, I don't know if they're going to make a move that will be more vital to them in this season and maybe the coming seasons as well than the, the hiring of Brian Flores in that position. From 30,000 feet, I was stunned that he was let go by the Dolphins. I didn't think he deserved it at all. Said it the day it happened. Let, you know, and Look, it, the lawsuit is, is his business. I thought the Steelers hiring, and since he's not a head coach, to me, I thought the hiring was based completely on merit, and it, the Steelers are better off for having him. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you look at it just in, in simple terms, um, the Steelers weren't looking to hire a head coach. Right. Uh, that's the, the crux of the issue. All they did was hire what could be very easily argued the most qualified assistant coach on the market. Yeah. I, I never had the sense that, and a lot of this comes, let's be real, a lot of this comes from the idea that Colin Kaepernick never got back into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then all of that stuff came down um, as far as him being blackballed, held out of the NFL. Everybody automatically assumed that that was what was going to happen to Brian Flores. I, to me, it was always like, well, no. does Flores want to coach? He's 40 years old. 
Yeah. It, it's his lawsuit has nothing to do with him being a position coach. Right. And you know, if you don't get hired for, uh, if you're a coordinator uh, who gets you know released from a team, uh, you don't get another coordinator job. Right. Usually, they they are position coach or they are a, 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 a specific element coach. You right. know, not a coordinator. Um, that's the opportunity that Flores had in front of him. I don't see how that changes anything to do with his lawsuit at all. His lawsuit literally is about not being hired as a head coach. He wasn't hired as a head coach. Right. Um, that will take care of itself. It, it's it's something that's outside of, frankly, it, it, let's put it this way, Steve. If you want to break down the NFL into 32 components, which is what it truly is, right. I understand that he's suing the league, mm-hmm. but the league doesn't hire the head coaches. The individual right. teams do. Right. The league oversees that and they are ultimately culpable for it and and we'll figure out how far this case gets the reality is if you want to talk about one team in the nfl that is absolutely not a part of all of the stuff right. that brian flores is talking about, exactly it's the pittsburgh Steelers. yep they have not been in the market to hire a head coach the one time they did at the beginning of the the this is the franchise the rule is named after essentially yeah. at the beginning of that rule they hired a black head coach they haven't had to hire a coach since then if anybody is not subject to what Flores is talking about the spirit of his lawsuit right. it's the Steelers that's right so frankly if there was a team he's going to work for it'd probably be the Steelers if you right. look at it logically so to me it, it has nothing to do with it and I think Mike Tomlin Kevin Colbert said it yesterday too. Uh, they're both being truthful and honest. It, it has nothing to do with that. That's its own thing. <laughs> the Steelers are the one team that don't have to concern themselves uh, with being a part of that through practice. Or y- you can't accuse them of anything just because they're an NFL team. It, it's not the same thing. Right. Well, they need a linebacker coach, and they went out and got a really, really good one. Uh, next uh, is the Mason Rudolph story. <laughs> uh, okay. So... Uh, uh, is part of the statement about Rudolph, can it possibly be that at the moment he's the quote most qualified guy on the current roster? Um, yes, but he's the only guy on the <laughs> roster. So I, I think that plays a big part. Okay. In it. Um, so that makes him the least qualified as well? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's the best and the worst option at the same time. And to be honest with you, it might be true when you bring in two other quarterbacks. Yeah, right. Um, it, it's look, what you see is what you get with Mason Rudolph. I, I don't think you can put a, a lipstick yeah. on a pig and call it something else. I know. Um, in my opinion, he is a below average quarterback. He's not an NFL starter. I think the Steelers are aware of that to the extent that they didn't foresee the market being right to get a, a, a better quarterback this year i know that seems weird but sometimes you have to kind of look at the bigger picture um they have other moves that they need to make uh, maybe it was something what they're saying by uh, it, it, giving rudolph a one-year extension last year um the idea was looking keep in mind it was right before the draft we, we spoke about this last year the timing of that is really really interesting because the steelers don't do that what they're saying, in my opinion, is we have completed our, our absolute total draft breakdown of, of uh, everything we're going to see this year, and we are not going to take a quarterback. We don't want to be hung in the lurch next year without a quarterback. Right. So let's give Rudolph a really low deal, give him some money now so he'll sign it, 
and then we have a quarterback for next year, and we'll figure out that part of it next year. You know, full on, full out assault on scouting every quarterback in the country, which is what they did. Right. If you look at it, you, you heard one of them at basically every game where a named quarterback was playing this year. They watched, they evaluated. If they still see that any one of those quarterbacks is not worth any of their draft picks, you kind of have your answer. But I have yeah. a real tough time believing because they're not going to sign Rudolph to another one-year extension um, in, in April again. I think that what it really suggests is that they're open to the idea of a quarterback, but at the same time, I do believe Kevin Colbert, when he says, it, essentially, he, he's, he's good at kind of dancing around what he really wants to say about something. I think if you, you read between the lines, what they're saying is, let's see what happens when we're on the clock at 20. We're not going to trade up. Right. Because, frankly, they have way too many holes. They don't have the assets to, to give. I mean, I, I might argue something different to that but what they're saying is a rookie now is not helping us now or maybe not even next year with what we see right now so drafting a project quarterback giving up extra assets to do that solves a problem that we can solve next year through similar means at a lot less of a cost so i I think that's probably more a, a steelers mentality um it isn't to say that if Malik Willis somehow fell to 20, they wouldn't be really tempted to take him. He's, he's an excellent prospect. Uh, it'd be great value at that spot. I, it's also why I think he's probably going to go in the top 10. And that's probably too far uh, up for the Steelers to jump, knowing the constraints they have on their roster. They have a lot of holes they have to fill. They have starters that they need. But I'll say this. Uh, quarterback aside, they're not going to go out and sign a quarterback in free agency. They're not going to trade for a veteran quarterback. What they do in free agency with the money that they have is going to indicate more of what their potential strategy could be in the draft because they have uh, far more cap space than they usually have without having made any moves yet. They they haven't done anything. They haven't restructured anybody's contract. Uh, They haven't signed any restricted free agents. They, They haven't done anything yet. They have more cap space sitting where they are today than they've ever had, literally have ever had. They're going to sign starters. This is a team that spends within roughly 5% of the cap every year. They're going to bring in starters. That cuts down potential needs in the draft uh, a pretty good amount. That's why they need to go sign them. If they address, say, three or four positions that they need uh, legit starters or key backups at, that opens things up to the draft a little bit more. You know, maybe they get a little bit more aggressive. Maybe they're looking a little bit more long-term. Um, I, we'll see. Come mid-March, I think we'll have a much better yeah. idea of what they're probably looking at, looking to do in the draft. The two of them have to be offensive line stars. You've got to give Najee Harris a chance to then allow Mason Rudolph to have a chance. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, at the very least, I would say one of them for sure. I, for me, I, I'm not hearing this. I'm not reporting it. I think the combination of, of, of skill and ability, um, of status and of team need, Brandon Scherf is, is a, a pretty solid guy for the Steelers to be looking at right he now. He sure is. And he, he's, a, he's a top of top of market guard. Yeah, um, no it, doubt. It'll be, the biggest, it'll be the biggest contract they've ever given to an offensive lineman. That's what it's going to take for them to get him. But they need a right guard. They don't have a right guard right now. They're not going to bring Trey Turner back again. Uh, my opinion, a large part of the issues that you had at center was a lack of cohesion as well as a lack of NFL experience coming from your right guard 
and your left guard to your center. Right. And I think the left guard kicked over to the left tackle as well. They drug each other down. Yep. Those are issues that are going to improve um, the more time that they get. And it was you know, largely unavoidable. Dan Moore was not starting at, at left tackle uh, by choice. It, it was an injury situation that they clearly did not want to have. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given Zach Banner an extension. Uh, it's not the lineup that they wanted to have, but it's the lineup that they had to use. You need a veteran uh, to come in to help bolster your center, and you need that veteran to be a guy that has more than one year in his contract. They cannot draft a right guard to start this year. That's not going to help them, in my opinion. Uh, you have the money to spend. They owe it to the team uh, to bring in a high-level guy. I, I think that's sure. I, I think he's a player that fits mm-hmm. in well with what I would think they'd want to do, which yeah. is probably more of, of their gap and inside zone schemes, which they've done um, with you know, lesser experienced players. Um, you could probably see them doing that same thing again. But for me, I think they're going to sign a big ticket free agent. I think they're going to bring in probably two or three other uh, key players, if not starters, along with that to try to bolster what's a very thin roster right now. Uh, you know, after all these years of Ben, then of course Terry Bradshaw long before that. It's not like the, the Steelers haven't gone through the Bubby Brister, Tommy Maddox, you know, the, you know Neil O'Donnell that that period of time. How anxious do you think the Steeler fan base is to attach itself to a new name at quarterback? Oh God, it's through the roof. I mean, it, it's it's all you hear. I mean, it, Ben's going to be this team's starting quarterback for what we're looking at right now, the next five to seven years, <laughs> whether he's on the roster or not. Right. Um, the guy that you have, one, you know, for for the, the the faction of people that are saying, you know, give Rudolph a chance. He started ten games. Yeah, well, no, they he's don't know had, who Mason Rudolph is by now. No. There's something really wrong. No, he's had a chance. A no. no, he's had yeah, a chance. You know who he is. Yeah. He's not going to make some radical leap now that he's the starter all of a sudden. You know who he is. He's going to have games like he did against the Lions, which wasn't particularly good. Um, games like he had in Week 17 against in, the, Browns. the end of the 2020 season against the Browns where he was okay. Yep. Um, up and down, that's who he's going to be. He's not going to be a high-level guy. The ceiling on him is probably a, 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 if you if, if things really line up, a 90-rated passer. Um, he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to make plays deeper down the field than what Ben did the last two years. You're not. You don't have a good quarterback on this team. It's that simple. Um, they're going to do what they can with him, but they absolutely do not have an answer uh, right now for for 2023. And if, uh, despite that, if Mason Rudolph gets an extension, um, the fan base is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> I can't, it's hard to envision a scenario in which that would happen anyway. So they're they're. If they're not thinking they're going to draft one, and even if they do, they're taking the, uh, a quarterback at 20 overall, which is not a great spot nowadays to take a quarterback. No. Um, they're not anywhere, in my opinion, close to the proverbial franchise quarterback. And that said, I don't think they're, it's likely that they take one at 20 anymore. You know, just the, the way that they've talked about it, they really seem uh, intent on addressing other positions and looking at the quarterback next year. So I, I think at the very least uh, you're, you're talking about a low-rated quarterback in a not-good quarterback draft at a low spot in round one yeah. or a complete and total project in round two yeah. or I don't even know what else beyond round two this year. There, there's going to be some not-good players 
if, if there was a quarterback drafted after round five, we wouldn't have heard from him anyway. We, we wouldn't have any idea who he is. They're not going to find their future quarterback, um, I, I, in my opinion, in, in this offseason. Uh, I mean, it probably won't be a year from now until they do. Well, fortunately for the Steelers, it's not a quarterback-centric league, so they'll be fine. All right, so, uh, <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me. All right, Neil Kulong. When Philadelphia is another part, it's a quarterback-based league. Ah, you'll be fine. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Right 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, that's the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Um, Whether it's uh, routine or inspections or diagnostics, the service department can handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15. Almost Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Um, I know you've done the play by play call today. I'm sure you, you know, with your level of efficiency. Um, but you missed one. All right. Yeah. I'm concerned. Okay. And I'm trying to think. Oh, for goodness sakes. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we didn't even try to th- get the still. Now Petrov control. Back to Parlamon. Skating in on the left side. Yes. Into the American end. 55 seconds. But Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in. Out in front. Backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov. Back out to Billy Legendov. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow. Checked into the boards. It comes back to center ice. 38. 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it. The Americans on top. 4-3. to three. Long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlemont. Shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Bill Yolentinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Over. You believe in Forty-two years ago today, the greatest team upset in the history of sports. Not even close, as a matter of fact. I don't even think it's up for debate. The Soviet Union was a team of 
professionals, longtime professionals, defeated by a college all-star team. It would be the equivalent of the college all-stars beating the Los Angeles Rams. Really, that's the equivalent of it. That's what it would be. Right? Yeah. Big goal. A little bit too much now on Jim Craig. He's making too many good saves. Arruzioni! See, there you go. Uh, It's interesting. You have to remember, the Soviets were a team. And the best, I think the best uh, piece I ever saw on it was uh, the... Um, the 30 for 30 ESPN did because they did it from the Soviet point of view and where they got some of the footage of the training and their old coach and so forth because Victor Tikhonov took over as the coach and you know he was not liked at all uh, they were away from their families they train 11 and a half months out of the year and they had beaten the US 10-3 at Madison Square Garden a couple weeks earlier uh, I was just about to the end because I I got my degree in a little bit just a little bit about three and a half years I got my degree here at Penn State so I was you know we did it in trimesters so I graduated early the last week I'm in school is this week I was what eight nine I was what what seven days away from getting my degree seven days away and I'm in the college newsroom WDFM. And the game was played at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It was not played in primetime, even, even though this was in Lake Placid. It was not in primetime. So I left the newsroom at, ooh, I don't know what time I left, I guess maybe before 6, and it was 2-2. So I knew it was 2-2 at the end of 1. And then I went down to an establishment here, to watch the game. And I didn't know what the final was. And, of course, they chased Tradiac in the game, who's the best goalie in the world at the time. They had Larianov, they had Mikhailov, they had Fatisov, they had Tradiac. I mean, you name it. I mean, they, they it was an all-star team. Phenomenal. And these kids beat them. Yeah, this is long before you were born. I mean, you know, to you a major upset is the Phillies beating the Marlins. I mean, but I mean, it's just you know. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. No, I, I I should have had that for play by play call today. That's my mistake, because of course it's called by the great Al Michaels. Yes, it is. Forty-two years ago. I mean, to you a major upset is the Eagles beating the Giants of the Meadowlands. All right, so, um, you know, <laughs> I guess that didn't happen this year. All right, so, yeah, it's 42 years ago today. Let's get to the Tom Verducci article. They don't have the baseball situation settled yet. Everything's been about money. Now, at one point, the union did want to discuss with them about on-the-field issues. But the owners, for I mean, the ownership baffles me. They didn't want to talk about it. And so you know, now they're bogged down in economic issues, as usual. 
But that's not what this is about. And I know the, the economic issues have to be settled service time. I understand that. But here's the problem you have right now. Every sport that you ha- have. I just I, I went through this piece on two-hour windows yesterday, or about, I'm sorry, windows yesterday, that college basketball fits into two-hour windows. Hockey's 2.15. Now, football should be three hours to 3.15, and some of these other games have been lapsing too long. Now, yesterday I mentioned, hey, look, maybe cut halftime down by five minutes. Let's start there from 20 minutes down to 15. And I don't want anybody's, oh, the blue band. No, the blue band's fine, okay? They're perfectly fine. When they leave the field, how much dead time is there after they leave the field? I'm saying close out the dead time after they leave the field. Right? They leave the field far before, longer than five minutes before the start of the second half. When they leave the field, let's let's get back out there. Let's play. Let's get going. And, you know, little things like that, you've got to fit these games not only into windows for TV, but you have to fit them into windows for the fan. So now let's get to baseball. The entertainment level of baseball, which I love baseball. Matt loves baseball, but only when the Yankees win. Um... The suit only loves baseball when the players sign suit lights autograph book. Right now, the game is slower. And the reason is, is the, and it's, look, what's happened is the game is based so much now on probability and efficiency. Probability and efficiency. That it's killing the entertainment of the game. Sports is meant to be entertaining. Now you wouldn't know it by Matt's openings every day. He, you know, it's, it's, he hates everything, but you know, it's supposed to be entertaining and fun. Just you do know that, right, Matt? I do. I can't tell by your openings. It's just, it's just so. <laughs> it's it's like going through soot. All right. Um, Right now, baseball is slower than ever. Three hours. Now, this, now Tom Verducci of SI.com wrote this. I'm going to read from it. It's brilliant. Penn State's own. Games are three hours and 11 minutes. That's a record. There are fewer balls in play, fewer hits, more shifts, more pitching changes. Here's what should the last CBA was signed in 2016. Since 2016... The ball is put in play an average of four hour, uh, four minutes and okay, every four minutes and seven seconds it's put in play. That's thirteen percent more dead time than five years ago. Over twenty five years, dead time is up twenty nine percent. Tom Verducci writes, in the last five years. The game has been drained of 3,000 hits. Tom writes that more than 7,000 balls in play no longer in play. 7,000 fewer balls in play in five years, 3,000 fewer hits. The triple, the stolen base, a pitcher's duel are now not in vogue. Meanwhile, they're are 1,000 pitching changes more now than five years ago. 
and 3,000 strikeouts. In 2016, when the collective bargaining agreement was signed, there were 2,111 more hits than strikeouts. Last year, there were 2,661 more strikeouts than hits. And guess what that leads to? The game being passive. Now, for the players, they need to care. Tom Verducci writes they need to care because it's more about more than just aesthetics. It's about jobs and pay. How many times have you heard me, Matt, on this show mention that analytics does not want players over the age of 33? Breach. I've said it over and over again, right? You have. Well, says here, Tom writes, analytics conspired against older players, left-handed pull hitters, veteran bench players, pitchers with options, and speed players without power. The game has been built that pivots on home runs because playing base-to-base is too difficult without pitching and defense has evolved. Only three players stole 100 bases and hit fewer than 35 home runs over the past five years. D. Strange Gordon, Billy Hamilton, Alex Smith. None of whom, by the way, are on the 40-man roster right now. Ten years ago, in a similar five-year window, they were 11. 30 years ago, they were 19. 40 years ago, they were 25. Teams are rebuilding now because they feel they can tank. Why? Because the Cubs and the Astros did it. They were the two worst teams in baseball from 2014 to 2010 to 2014, and then won the World Series respectively in 16 and 17. 167 pitchers have been added to rosters. Yet the overall pay is its lowest level since 2015. There's been an increase of 50% of pitchers who can throw 100 miles per hour or better. Which explains Matt working in the yard with Luke. There's right. been a there's been a decrease of 22% of playing time for hitters who are 31 and older. There's an aging curve. Five-plus pitching changes in a game is up 437%. Okay? Pitching changes are up 9% in five years. Strikeouts are up 8%. Okay? Home runs, up 6%. What's decreased? Triples are down... 23%. Plate appearances by players 31 years or older, down 22%. Starting pitchers with wins, down 17%. Stolen bases, down 13%. Hits are down 7%. Balls in play, down 6%. The batting average has gone from 255 to 244 in five years. There are certain elements that have to come into play here. Pole side ground ball batting averages have dropped 20 points over five years, from 213 to 193. 
right? I've talked about this before. I mentioned shifts should be banned. Oh, you can't ban the shift. Yes, you can. Look what every other sport has done. Okay? The NFL, contact beyond five yards. Oh, contraire, mon frere. Those days where Mike Haynes and Lesser Hayes were throwing guys down the field, all the way down the field, they're gone. Because they knew throwing the football would open the game up and fans want to see a more open game. Hey, that's why they changed the rules. Basketball, why no clutch and grab anymore? Why more freedom of movement? Why an emphasis on shooting? Because it's putting more into the game. Games in the NBA, in the playoffs in the 90s, you had some finals that were 83-79. Now you've got games that are in the low 100s because they've got freedom of movement, the ability to pass and shoot. Hockey. They took out just an awful rule that I always hated. So glad they took it out because it made the game better. More fun, wide open, the stretch pass, because they took out the two-line pass. And you have restrictions on where players can be. In the NFL, five guys can't go out for a pass. Okay, If the ball goes into the backcourt, guess what? The play's over. You turn it over. Oh, and there's a shot clock. And the NFL is a play clock. And in the NHL... The goalie, you know, the trapezoid. I mean, there's restrictions on what players can and can't do. So you can change up and say, hey, no more shifts, can't do it. It makes a big difference. And there's got to be a realization by some organization out there that, guess what? Let the manager manage. I don't need the front office making out the lineup. I don't need to have the analytics card. Guess what? I know baseball. Analytics is a way to win. No question. The difference between how I look at it with analytics is that analytics is one of many ways to win, and it's a legitimate way to win. But there are many ways to win. Those who believe in analytics believe it is the only way to win. That is disgraceful. Okay. Anybody who thinks it's the only way to win, is that's a disgrace. That means you have no feel for sports. There are multiple ways to win. Analytics is one. And based on your team, based on your team, analytics may be the best way to win. Based on your personnel. Based on your personnel, very well maybe. But guess what? Based on your personnel, you may have guys that can steal bases. You may have guys that can bunt. Okay. You may have a couple starting pitchers that can go seven or eight innings. Right? Don't mind going through the lineup the third time because guess what? They're so darn good. I mean, there's a big problem right now. And part of it is not just the economics of the game. Part of it is how the game is playing because sports is about entertainment. And right now... You have the efficiency guys out there sucking the entertainment out of the room. And it's taking longer to play these games. Get the ball in pitch. 
Let's go. Get in the batter's box. Don't you roam around. You get in there. What, you didn't put on your batting gloves right the first time? You didn't put your helmet on right the first Get in the box. And we know efficiency works. Look what the Rays have done. Over the past 18 years, who's won more pennants, Tampa Bay or the Yankees? Right? You don't want to answer that question. <laughs> no, you're right. It's the race. Right. I'm saying. It, it, but for them, it works. Okay? But the, but you can't have everybody doing it. Okay? It's sucking the entertainment out of the game. You are you are an entertainment-based business. Part of your job is to entertain. Right? That means the ball's going to be in play. And that's what the ownership needs to understand. And guess what? You get attached to older players. Okay? Especially when they're in your organization a long time. Matt was a big Paul O'Neill guy, even though, you know, he just kind of went along, you know, and hit 275, whatever. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. So you're going to retire his number. Matt's going to go up there. It's going to be all exciting. You're going to remember the good old days when the Yankees actually won pennants, and you'll love it. Right? That's right. You guys don't win pennants anymore, do you? Oh, well. It's been a little hey. bit, but, hey, we'll get there. A little bit? Get there? you got to be kidding me. All right. Paul O'Neill. Do the Yankees have a Hall of Fame? Or they just have this, like, Thing where they just throw some numbers up on the wall. I've actually been to, I've actually been out there. It's actually kind of cool. All right. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 